We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Thursday, the 20th day of October, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today? It's good to see you. Healthy and alive. Uh, doing well. Yourself? Not bad. Not bad. Not quite as cold as you are, I have to say. But uh, I do expect the uh, the temperatures to drop here pretty soon. And oh boy, is it going to get fun. Yeah, um, it is a little chilly here. Um, tonight, we're supposed to have below freezing temperatures. So there's that. But uh, yeah, when you guys start hitting the cold weather, um, it's going to be interesting. Power outages. Indeed, and, yeah. yeah. Services they, interrupted. Uh, yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, well, of course, we're keeping an eye in, on the uh, the European power grid in, in real time, uh, just in case. All alerts of any kind of issues of impending blackouts and what the severity of that will be pushed to us in real time. So we'll have uh, foregone notice of that. And then, of course, the uh, the mobile phones, if you're on the continent of Europe, if you're listening to us uh, from there, the mobile phones will stop working after 30 minutes of a blackout, if you didn't know. And the reason for that being the emergency backups on these uh, cellular phone towers, these mobile phone towers, the battery backups only last 30 minutes. They're not designed to last any longer than that. And the reason for the 30 minutes is because that's usually about the time that you can get an emergency tech out there to get the problem fixed and get that service back up and running. That's going to be really interesting because you're going to be leaving a lot of people not only in the dark and freezing, you're also going to be leaving them with no information coming to them about what's going on. Other than maybe you'll get some kind of information from, I don't know, maybe the local government office or something because they've been great for COVID, haven't they? They'll be great with the uh, the power outages too. Yeah, I'm sure. And they're, they're uh, wholly to be trusted, of course. Uh, Absolutely. Because, you know, they would never tell you any false information. No, no, of course not. Of course not. And don't you think in the United States that you're excluded from this because you most certainly are not. Extreme cold, you hear this extreme, extreme cold could trigger power blackouts across New England in the United States. That would be, for those that don't know, that would be the, uh, the states in the upper northeast there. Uh, above New York, all of that up through into Maine and everything else. That's New England. They happen to say why. But well, they say it's extreme cold, Bruce. Oh, just extreme cold. Just, okay. Yeah, it's the cold. But they don't yeah. they don't go into detail about what part of the power grid is being hit by the extreme cold because you know uh, well, northeast they, you, they have well, cold temperatures and you know um, snow and whatnot. Well, the, this is out of the Wall Street Journal. Excuse me, the Wall G Wall G is it Wall Street or Wall G Journal? I I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, they reported that the power grid operator ISO New England uh, warned that a colder than normal winter could strain the reliability of the grid and potentially result in the need for rolling blackouts to keep electricity supply and demand in balance. So they're just warning everybody that we're incompetent. And um, actually, that that would be that would be the best case scenario is that they're incompetent. Um, mm -hmm. Well, if you're incompetent, uh, like even a broken clock is right twice a day. Yeah, but uh, incompetence would be the the <laughs> the the least benign or the I guess the most benign. Uh, yeah. Anyway, be careful. Be very careful because you could trigger the Brits. You could get an argument started on the other side of the Atlantic. So be careful how you use that word, but not. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, let, let's say least malicious. How about, how about that? Um, the least malicious uh, would be um, it, it, this was incompetence. However, this fits with the climate change agenda, which, um, you know, we, we've seen the Veritas video of the, the CNN was a uh, producer or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. saying that that's going to be the narrative is um, uh, going forward is climate change. And what better way to push climate change than to disrupt services and power and yeah, and then blame it on that? 
Exactly, exactly. Now let's talk about what could possibly cause that. Well, apart from the extreme cold. New England, again, those are the states that are above New York, and they consist of the following. Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Vermont. Okay, those are your New England states. Uh, and they're very densely populated up in there, I might add. A uh, lot, of, lot of Democrat money up there, I might add, too. Those are usually all blue states, you know, for every election. I mean, hell, Bernie Sanders, Vermont, right? That's his state. They say that the power grid up there relies on natural gas and lacks pipeline infrastructure for domestic flows. Over the years, natural gas pipeline infrastructure has been delayed, blocked, or abandoned, which means the region's power grid operators have to compete in the international marketplaces for supplies. Uh, let me guess. This is all Putin's fault. I'm just speculating, right? Because they say, well, we have to compete in the international marketplace. It's not like we can produce our own, right? We can't produce our own natural gas in America. No, 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 you can't. No, because this is this is the Northeast. And as you said, this is Democrat territory. So, no, we can't produce our own by their own standards. So. Yeah. They say that ISO New England's top executives who are making record profits, I might add, said that if power producers have to increase natural gas deliveries due to severe weather, that will draw down supplies. And it would indicate that they would be paying international spot market prices. One major problem is that the power producers have limited natural gas storage facilities and lack pipeline capacity reserved mainly by utilities serving homes and businesses. Power producers procure a portion of supplies with a fixed price agreement and mostly rely on spot markets. Again, I would ask, uh, whose doing is that? Whose fault is that in this? Well, it's the energy companies, of course. Clearly, it's what it is. It's the energy companies. Mm. You see, President Biden, he's made a statement today. And again, it's it's those energy. It's those damn energy company. You see, they're the ones to blame for this. Listen, my message to the American energy companies is this. You should not be using your profits to buy back stock or for dividends. Not now. Not while a war is raging. You should be using these record breaking profits to increase production and refining. Invest in America for the American people. Bring down the price you charge at the pump to reflect what you pay for the product. Says a guy whose administration blocked all the new drilling leases. You can't get any permits to, to drill. Any any permit that was out there had to be shelved. Like as an energy producer of petrochemicals, you're pretty much, you're screwed. No, no. The see, they, they allowed and opened up and allowed more contracts to be given to oil companies. It's the oil companies that decided not to go out there and drill. <laughs> you, I, I know you're being facetious and love that's how you do that with what a serious they told look us. on your face. Yeah, that's what they told us, of course. The Biden administration is also set to announce uh, new actions that are going to uh, strengthen the U.S. energy security. Now, see, do you know how they're going to take a guess how they're going to do this? They're going to do this by releasing 15 million more barrels of oil from our strategic petroleum reserves in December. And that's going to strengthen our energy security and encourage production somehow. Yeah, that's um, hmm. no, that that that's that's a bad idea. That brought the price uh, of the pump down five cents. Oh yeah, wow, Oof. five cents. Uh, five when cents. we're what four dollars? Wow. So now we're that what three ninety five. What are you complaining about? Five cents. I mean, that's mm. five cents cheaper than what it was yesterday. Mm. Yeah, when it's you know almost three dollars more than it was when Trump left office. So yeah, two fifty more. Yeah, no. I'm not going to I'm not going to applaud this this government for using our strategic oil reserves, which are used or meant to be used for military scenarios like, I don't know, maybe, you know, the country is invaded and we need fuel for our war machine. Yeah, maybe maybe that that, that would be a good use for it. Would but be a good to, use for it. Yeah, it's kind of what it's actually to bring supposed down, to be used for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But to bring down gas prices in the middle of an election year. Um, no. Uh, this this is I mean this should be obvious to every American. It should be obvious that this is just a a political ploy. Uh, well, again, the benign explanation to trigger our UK friends again. That's what it is. Is it's election stuff? But there's a case to be made that they're trying to screw over uh, the oil industry so that you are forced into an EV. <laughs> Look at what they're doing to firearms. It's the same concept. The firearms, they can't go after. Uh, people would be annoyed if you went after their vehicles directly. So what do you do? You go after the fuel or ammunition and make it so expensive that they can't have or maintain them 
oh, you can buy a gun all you, you as many guns as you want, but you can't fo- afford the ammo, or the ammo's not in good supply. Same thing with uh, vehicles. Oh yeah, you can you can go and buy a new vehicle, which with inflation and everything, you can't afford one anyway. Uh, but yeah, you're not going to be able to afford the gas, even if you do get one. You see, you just need to transition to clean energy. That's what you need to do. And you, you need to praise the businesses like like BlackRock that are fostering innovation to get to the uh, uh, the clean energy trend. How am I doing with this? I'm not doing very well with this, am I? Uh, I mean, that it, you're, you're just saying what they say. I am. And quite frankly, somebody that can explain it better than me on CNBC yesterday, the one and only Bill Gates. What you do? Well, BlackRock and Larry in particular are a great example of private sector leadership. You know, anyone who says that climate shouldn't be a factor in how you evaluate the future of a company, you know, isn't uh, that's not capitalism because companies that have emissions, you know, they are going to be subject to uh, border adjustment tariffs or taxes. Uh, You also have to think about companies, you know, if you're dealing with uh, severe weather events, that's got to be factored in. Is the company ensuring that? Are they becoming more resilient? So the attacks are kind of illogical because climate does affect the economy, which does affect investments. The idea that we still need oil and natural gas is also, you know, fairly clear. We're not going to drain all the money away from those sectors. That's how people get to work today. It's how people avoid freezing to death in the winter. Uh, and, you know, people did get a little optimistic about how quickly the transition could be done. Now, without uh, the Russian natural gas being available in Europe, uh, you know, we're it's a setback. You know, we need to find non-Russian hydrocarbon sources to substitute for those. So there's coal plants running and a uh, variety of things uh, because, you know, keeping... You know, people warm, uh, keeping those economies in decent shape uh, is a priority. Now, on the other hand, it's good for the long run because uh, people won't want to be dependent on Russian natural gas. Uh, so they'll move to these new approaches more rapidly. Now, you, you see, Bruce, you see how much that man cares. You see the look on his face here. You see how much he cares about the European economy. You see how much he cares about the American economy. And, and, and if you don't make those types of investments that he's talking about, well, that's not capitalism. Uh, first of all, this is something that's really frustrated me with the president and with in in looking at this in a traditional sense, in a, in a you know, 20 years ago view, okay? Uh, the president has said um, he's not concerned about inflation here because this is a global uh, concern while he was eating his ice cream cone. Strong and, as hell. He's not economy strong as hell. Str- strong as hell. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mr. President. You're the president of the United States, not the world. You should be concerned about inflation here and doing what you can to mitigate it here. We get things fixed here, and then you can look at the world and seeing about what can be done to help them. But you got to get things done here. But he said there there is no inflation. Inflation's at zero. Yeah, yeah. But there was something that stuck out to me. Uh, what 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 Gates was saying there? Border re re realignments. Uh, how did he word that? Um, that one kind of stuck out. Wait, I don't know of any border. Uh, huh? I haven't heard any talk about that. Is that is that something that's going to be coming in the future that he's predicting? Uh, we haven't well, seen yet. We uh, we are seeing. Speaking of that, we are seeing the Russians start to do something that we haven't seen them do since the Cold War, and that is at least what we're seeing that's not really televised. You've got private contractors in the far eastern countrysides digging trenches that are miles and miles and miles long. And in those trenches, they're putting these things called dragon's teeth. Dragon's teeth are triangular shaped concrete blocks that stop vehicles from crossing. When I showed those images and those videos of what they're doing, the Russians are doing in the eastern part of the uh, the world, his conclusion was clear without me saying anything. And he said, yep, they're getting ready to build another wall. That's what they're mm-hmm. getting ready to do. You know, I heard somebody say the other day that globalism is over. This party, this globalism party is over. We're going now to revert back to regional production. Everything's falling apart. I mean, these these people like Gates and the rest of them, they're living in a dream world thinking that globalism is going to continue. But where's China? You need to have China on the world stage as a producer for the world 
the worldwide consumer economy if we're going to have a global economy, right? Because that's where they sent all the businesses. That's where they sent all the manufacturing. But see, China's doing something else. They reported, what was it, two days ago, that they will no longer be reporting their annual GDP because, well, they don't need to. They don't need to. And the markets shoot up based on that. Does any of that seem right to you? You had five, five German conglomerates go bankrupt in the last 24 hours. And there's not even a mention of it on the news, on any paper here. That should be front page. And I'm talking about companies that have been in business for over a century, some of them almost two centuries. Don't you think that deserves just a little bit of coverage, maybe? And the stock market is, is shooting up? And then you've got the economic minister who comes out and says, no, they didn't go insolvent. They just stopped producing. Well, these people really think you're stupid, don't they? That's unbelievable. So yeah, there are some border changes coming. Gates isn't wrong when he says that. There are some border changes coming. What that's going to look like, I don't know. But I can tell you that uh, this, whatever it is that's going on uh, with this, uh, this farce and this casino that they're running in the markets, that party's long over. We're just waiting right now for what's called a trigger. That's all we need. We've hit all the other milestones. All those other milestones have been hit. And when I say all the other milestones and every other metric in the markets have been hit, I'm talking down to the 20th of 1%. That's how closely aligned we are with historical figures for market crisis. We're just waiting for a trigger. That's all we're waiting for. And we don't know what that is. So the realignments, yeah, coming. I, I don't know when or where or how or or what, but we need to see the trigger first. And that's where you're going to have major changes. I, I, I was going to throw in as well, we, we mentioned uh, Russia there and the, the unprecedented action they're taking unprecedented. I mean, they haven't done mm. it in a while. They just declared a martial law in some of the, the annexed yes. regions here yes, today, I, I believe. Today. Uh, Donetsk, Luhansk, and Kurzon, and Zephyr's, uh, Zephyrosia. I'm going to go with that. I, I know it's probably not right, but that's the, that is a really difficult place to pronounce. That's really difficult. Putin's declared martial law. That will go into effect at 10 o'clock this evening, local time. Yeah. So uh, to that um, changing of borders and everything, I think this is this is part of the changing of borders. But I feel like there's more coming than just the Russia, the, there's more. Yeah, yeah. The, this is just the beginning. Yeah. And the, the, the thing is, is global globalism is done if we win. And the thing is, is if we win, we being like the, the, the going back to the classic way of thinking, going back to, you know, not even small government, limited government. If we win, I think we get rid of globalism in the sense of what they're trying to do to us. I still think we're going to have globalism, but it's not going to be... It'll be like trade. It'll be like free market or something like that. You know, we'll, we'll have that kind of globalism, but it's not going to be globalism in the sense of... Um, well, some of this stuff, some, to be fair, just to, just to kind of interject, I'm sorry, I don't mean to stifle your point, but some of this stuff is in like the market stuff, like the, the markets, like international business stuff. This has got to stop. And when I say that, I'm talking like I'm trying to appeal to all of you true environmentalists out there. This has got to stop. I, I was listening to a guy talk about how he, he knows a friend of his who's in the backpack business. OK, they make backpacks. That's all they do. They don't do anything else. They go to four different continents before they actually get to the last country to be sold. That has got to stop. That's ridiculous. It's not like if you see made in Cambodia, it goes to Cambodia. They assemble the whole thing there and then it gets shipped over to the US or to Canada or Australia or whatever. No, that's not what happens. It goes to Vietnam and it gets zippers. It goes to China and it gets the, the, the cordra fabric. It goes to uh, whatever and it gets the Velcro put on. And then it goes to uh, uh, some European, Eastern European country and it gets the logo stitched on. And then it gets sent to America or Canada or wherever the hell ever to be sold. That has got to stop. That's ridiculous. That's what globalization yeah. has done. Uh, yeah. And that, I think, is what's going to stop. I, I agree with that. It, it's going to go back to, I, I think, if we win, it'll go back to the, the, the classic system of uh, everything will be made in-house at their, the, you know, their own country. Or if it's something that the country can't produce, it'll be something that another country provides, but they'll be manufacturing the, the entirety of it, if you will. Um, there's obviously going to be some countries that are going to have to import the, the resources and whatnot, like Japan as an example. Uh, but 
more or less they're going to be manufacturing it there for themselves first and then it, you know exporting the, ex, the excess which makes um, perfect I'm, sense you package that up as part of some kind of a trade deal and boom there you go and that's that's what it is you know I, i'm i'm perfectly fine with that before we drift too far because i do want to talk about russia and uh in the ukraine thing uh before we drift too far Electric vehicles. I know we're kind of, you know, coming back to that, but electric vehicles. I read this yesterday and I thought this was funny. I was talking to you about it just a little bit offline. There was a guy who owns a Nissan Leaf and he's out in uh, he's out in Wyoming. It took him 15 hours to drive 175 miles where in just a normal gasoline powered car or diesel powered truck or whatever, that same trip would have taken him around three hours, two and a half, three hours, 15 hours. How's that for efficiency? Top notch. I'm sure everybody is just can't wait to get their EVs after hearing that it's going to take you 15 hours to drive that distance. It's almost like uh, we, we've kind of a high tech version, but we we're backtracking back to the days of horse and buggy where you would go, you know, maybe like 20 miles a day. And that's all you did. Kind of what it seems like. I mean, well, they told us we're not going to be able to go more than five kilometers from our home. So. Uh, it's it's technically even worse. But another interesting uh, statistic on EVs, farmers, ranchers, people like that, they buy, you know, construction workers, they buy trucks, right? They want to buy pickup trucks, most notably their favorite truck, truck of choice for the American consumer and the American backcountry liver, Ford F-150, right? Ford F-150, most popular selling pickup truck in world history. We sell one of those every four seconds in the United States. Ford F-150, great pickup truck. It's a great pickup truck. And you know what? Now you're going to have Ford making all electric. Yeah, they're going to be going to all electric by, what was it, 2025, 2027, somewhere along in there. That's the yeah, new sounds about Biden right. administration initiative that, yeah, he's given all the speeches in front of the electric, uh, you know, the EV trucks or whatever. Bruce, if you load up those trucks, right? Because sometimes, I mean, I, you know, coming from the Midwest, we see guys with pickup trucks all the time. You see farmers and ranchers and things with pickup trucks all the time. Sure. And sometimes, I mean, they've got like loads of bricks in the back of those things, piles of mm -hmm. wood. They've got uh, bales of hay. They've got, you know, whatever. They're taking them to another field or, or something, or it's full of gravel or whatever because they're doing some kind of work, right? That's what they do. Mm -hmm. yep. Do you want to take a guess as to how far you can get on a full charge, uh, as in 100%, a full charge of a Ford electric pickup truck, fully loaded down? Well, I mean, it would stand to reason that um, the average electric vehicle travels about 250 miles on one charge. You're loading it down. So maybe, you know, half that. That's probably 50 miles is all you're going to get. 50 miles. That's the best you can do. And you've got to wait 16 hours to charge that bad boy back up. I don't see farmers yeah. and ranchers and, and construction workers running out to buy those. Do you? No, no, no. Uh, no. That doesn't even like, how is that even... You can't even get a work day in on that. If you're hauling all day and you're starting and stopping, you're not going to get anywhere on that. that if that, you're a that wouldn't even okay. It, it, the 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 ranch we lived uh, that that are the fa my family lived on when I was growing up. If we had an EV and we had to go to town to get feed or lumber or whatever, and then back, the truck wouldn't make it in that time. It wouldn't make it. And then if we had to go to uh, the town we went for uh, grocery shopping, it sure as hell wasn't going to make that trip. That's 60 miles. That's not including the trip when you're in town, you know, going from store to store or yeah, whatever. Store to store, yeah. Uh, that, 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 that's, not even, that's not even possible. But like, it's a failed industry. Horrible. It, it's a failed industry before it even gets started. Yeah. And on top of that, I learned something else this morning about lithium ion batteries. You're going to love this. I can't believe how ridiculous, like this gets more ridiculous every day that I read these things. There's a problem with lithium ion batteries, just a little bit of a problem. Do you ever wonder why we don't use them in cars? And I'm talking about like gasoline cars and diesel trucks and things. Do you ever wonder why we don't replace the lead acid batteries? Well, it's very simple. It requires an immense amount of cold cranking amps to get the things to work. So the starters wouldn't even be able to work with them. Also, you see, there's just a little problem they don't mention to you. Lithium ion batteries, they don't charge after the temperature reaches 32 degrees Fahrenheit or zero degrees Celsius for our international listeners. When you have a battery that is made of lithium ion or lion or whatever, lithium polymer, any of that stuff, it doesn't take a charge. I'm not saying it can't hold a charge. It doesn't take a charge after it gets below freezing. Again, 50 miles 
on a full charge of a loaded down pickup truck. And on top of that, if it's freezing, let's say you've got a ranch in, I don't know, Colorado somewhere in the middle of December. Bruce, you used to live there. You are out of luck. You are out of luck. You're not ranching or you're not farming that day. Uh, Not not even. (laughs) What happens if you get stuck like uh, in in a scenario like Colorado, you get snow, you need the four by four. You're out of luck. No. Complete no, waste that, that's not gonna that's waste that's not gonna go anywhere uh, maybe maybe if they were to do like hydrogen cell or something like that maybe that that you know that might hydrogen but... yeah i can see that yeah hy- hydrogen was actually i i think that's going to be the way though is it's going to be hydrogen but see we could already be on hydrogen the problem is is that it's been suppressed 30 years ago they had hydrogen powered cars Toyota and Honda were two of the leading companies that actually started this. California, to their credit, under Governor Schwarzenegger, God, what a disaster he was, to their credit, they actually started the hydrogen fuel stations and they still have them. It's just they don't have any hydrogen in them. Well, what's the problem with hydrogen? Um, Let me see. Well, we can make it. That's the first problem with it. And what's the other problem with it? Oh, the output, as in like the byproduct of it. What is that? Well, that's water vapor. Well, we can't have that. We, we certainly can't have that. That's clean energy the, right there. There, There is uh, somewhat of a manufacturing problem that I don't know that they've ever solved. It needs cobalt for the reaction. Interesting. That's, well, I mean, that's the main problem. Our nuke, yeah, but our nukes can do that, though. It, like we can, we can manufacture it with our nuclear reactors, can we not? Cobalt? You can, no, you can do hydrogen. The hydrogen is what I mean. Oh yeah, no, the hydrogen is not a problem, but the for the uh, the reaction, the catalyst that uh, you need the element you need too. in the cobalt uh, to to do that. So you would need a lot of cobalt, um, and I don't, I don't, we, we we don't have enough. I mean, I I think you could get it from your catalytic converters, but I don't know how much it's in comparison. Like enough. I don't know how much. Not going to be enough. I don't know. Yeah. Won't be enough, whatever it is, not going to be enough. But I would argue it'd be a lot less than what we're going to need for electric vehicles. We need something like uh, 14 times more cobalt than we even know is in existence to yeah. make the uh, electric cars. Batteries. Yeah, yeah. batteries. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious when it comes to that. I, I legitimately wonder if if there is another way, another catalyst, another, and we just haven't found it yet. There, there has to be something out there that we just haven't found yet. Um, but I don't know if there's any research being put into that because how, how profitable is it going to be when they're pushing all the other stuff? Well, all the other stuff they're pushing is it's, it's a failure. Like all this other green energy crap is just a failure. This, this non these nonsensical windmills that we can't repurpose, we can't reuse, we're burying them in landfills. How's that for the environment? These nonsensical batteries to make one battery, one to make one battery that weighs 500 pounds, you need 500,000 pounds of material to make it. How is that good for the environment? And you can't repurpose them. You got to stick them in landfills. Same thing with solar panels. We're at the end of what solar panel technology can do. We can't go any further without some kind of revolutionary new material or something. The materials that we're making the solar panels out of we can't go any further with it. So barring some type of new innovation or something somewhere, which the people that are uh, running this clown show, they're not innovators or, or builders or creators at all. They're nothing of the sort. They're just people that have stolen and, and, and frauded themselves their way up to their positions of whatever the hell they're in. And they've bought off the marketplace. They've corrupted everybody and they're pulling the ladder up so nobody else can innovate. Hence, stakeholder capitalism, right? It's not shareholder capitalism anymore. You don't have a say anymore. The shareholders don't have a say anymore. The shareholder, that, that would be you, by the way. You, you buy a stake into a company, then you actually get a, a voice in that company. Not anymore. Now it's the people down there in Davos are going to pick the winners and losers. You guys are not exactly batting a thousand. No. Uh, and real quick, to, to go to the green energy thing and just uh, point out solar panels. The, the problem with solar panels is um, even if you get really high efficiency out of those even if you were to hit like 80 percent, which is uh, that's unheard of i think that the highest specialized solar panel that we have is maybe 40 percent. i think it was like 37 40 percent somewhere in there uh efficiency so about 37 percent of the sunlight that hits it gets converted into electricity It's it's not good at all we would have to create or or uh devise some kind of material that would uh allow the sunlight to pass through it and generate electricity at the same time so that you can have multiple layers. So basically what we're running into is solar panels are done. This is pretty much as efficient as we can get them uh, unless we're 
discover some new material that um, can absorb sunlight at a greater efficiency than it's actually being projected, which is not possible. And these psychopaths like Gates and, and Schwab and these guys are talking about creating and funding programs to block out the sun. That's actually a good point. Uh, it's a, it's an, I hadn't put the two together. I always thought of that one as like they're the, they're trying to block the sun because of climate change. And I never I never thought at the same time they're trying to tell us to go uh, wind and yeah. solar. So well, if you're blocking strategy. the sun, then solar panel doesn't work. So but they have all their investments brilliant. in solar panels. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's laughable. They're making money on both ends of it. Anyway, um, on to um, Russia, Ukraine. Uh, we were briefly talking about it before. Bruce, did you know that we were paying for the air defense systems for the Saudis? Now, I know that I said Ukraine and I know I said Russia, but I bring up this point because I, I didn't realize we were paying for the air defense system for the Saudis. And it doesn't really matter because all of that's going to get packed up and it's going to get shipped to Ukraine. So now we're going to pay for the air defense systems for Ukraine. For the greater good. Yes, of course. That you see that evil Putin. Yeah, we we got it. We got to do it because of because of Putin's war. Senator Chris Murphy and Representative Rokana are leading the charge to get they're both Democrats, by the way, to get advanced anti-air missile systems, which the Pentagon has stationed in Saudi Arabia. They want them removed. They want them packed up and they want them sent to Ukraine. Systems were sent there over the past several years following an uptick in missile and drone attacks by Yemeni Houthi rebels which we've been doing arms deals with to help fend off that Iranian group that's, you know, they're, they're backed out of Iran, uh, that they've been fighting in the south, that the Saudis have been fighting in the south of the country, which, by the way, I, I, I don't really have a whole lot of praise to give the man, but um, the Trump administration and Trump himself actually had a pretty good deal with uh, Mohammed bin Salman, and they pretty much had that deal over there, the, the Houthi rebels, they had them pretty much squashed. And they were more or less, they were out of business and they turned into like this ragtag group of nobodies that nobody cared about. Funny how these administrations like, oh, I don't know, the Obama administration or the Biden administration, it's funny how they get back into into the Oval Office and these groups just explode. Do you remember ISIS? It was pretty much nothing. I mean, it was nobody. They were just a bunch of ragtag guys that nobody cared about. And boy, they're driving around in brand new Toyota Hilux pickup trucks, armored uh, personnel carriers and new weapons caches delivered every week and new kit delivered every week. And it's like, I mean, hell, they're driving around in Toyota Hilux, armored Toyota Hilux pickup trucks with tinted windows and, and chrome wheels. How is that possible? And yet well, now they're yeah driving around in Humvees and yeah, oh yeah, on we, Black yeah. Hawk. Uh-huh. Yeah, we crashed. I saw the video of that, yeah. I, I, I will commend them. It lasted about a year. They they were able to keep that helicopter flying for a year and then they crashed it. They announced on Thursday in a statement for several I'm quoting, for several years the US military has deployed a Patriot missile defense battery to Saudi Arabia to help defend oil infrastructure against missile and drone attacks. These advanced air and missile defense systems should be redeployed to bolster the defenses of the eastern flank NATO allies like Poland and Romania or just transferred to Ukraine. Yeah, let's just give them to the Russians. Uh, that sounds good. Uh, let's just hand it over to the Russians. I, I know they said Ukraine, but uh, well, do we really preparing think... an assault? They're getting ready to open up a northern front uh, through Belarus. They've got a hundred thousand. Putin has put a hundred thousand in Belarus right now. Speculation is is that they're getting ready to open a northern front and make an assault down to Kiev. That's a speculation. That's all. Yeah. Do we really think Ukraine's going to win against Russia, though? I mean, realistically. Uh, because if we continue, if we continue shipping over guns over to Ukraine, weapons, uh, you're going to have China jump in uh, even more so to help Russia because they're allies, more or less. And uh, really, China is not going to miss an opportunity to screw with the, the U.S. in this, um, a chance to make them look bad, if you will. So I, I don't know. This is this is just this is bad. Continuing with a quote from uh, from Murphy, policy decisions have consequences and these steps would right size the relationship with Saudi Arabia and help Ukraine. It, he's a little upset because the Saudis cut the oil production. So they, they say, well, we're going to shut down all all arms deals with him. He says the congressional movement no. <laughs> to drastically reevaluate. The, yeah, go on. 
the the correct course of action is not that the Saudis are, are cutting oil production and and screwing us over when we've helped them so long. the The correct course of action is to ramp up our own production and produce so much and flood the market with so much oil that's cheap that it crashes their market, and then we yes. pull the weapons that we send them and flip them the bird for flipping us the bird after being you know uh, partners for so long. That's the correct course of action. Yes, but you can't do that because Russia's part of OPEC. And? Well, I understand. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. But um, yeah, uh, Representative yeah. Khanna was more vocal this week uh, following Riyadh not playing ball with Washington on desired levels of near term oil output. She says, at the very least, the Patriot missiles will be suspended. The reality is, is that there is no economic case for what they are doing. This was punitive for Americans, and it is aiding Russia's president, Vladimir Putin. They were wanting to send the Patriot missile system over there. I wasn't sure which missile system they were wanting to, to yeah. send over there. Yeah, we, the, we have uh, a lot. Yeah, it's our um, it's our advanced medium uh, range air to air missiles. So the uh, uh, the AMRAMs, it's those. Yeah, um, those aren't Patriot missile system isn't just for um, aircraft or drones. It's also meant for um, nuclear weapons as well. Uh -huh. um, which some some are speculating again. And you can't when you get to this point where you start having military movements at least in history, you can't really say for certainty what they're going to do. It's always speculation, even like this is what generals and things do and, and command field commanders and field marshals. They anticipate what their opponent is going to do. So they don't even know. The speculation also now is, is I heard this this morning from a former Green Beret. The speculation is now is that Putin is going to use at the very least thermobarics inside on Kiev. And that is... That's considered basically at this point, due to the way that it is deployed, it's a tactical nuclear weapon. In a sense, the way that it detonates, it causes the same damage. Yeah, it's a, it's a similar, similar to thermobaric is, it's basically, we would know it as classically as a fuel air bomb, basically, or a vacuum bomb. It is pretty damaging. Uh, they've already used, Russia has already used them in Ukraine, but uh, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they started to... Uh, uh, I, I, I don't I don't know at this point. Uh, part of me thinks they would because they've been um, because we've been so involved now. I think we're pushing Russia to use that. Uh, but at the same time, this is kind of like this is land that Russia wants to take over. And I, I feel like if you're if you're going to you don't want to completely annihilate the infrastructure of the a place you're about to take over. And but he also uh, needs using it. thermobaric would, they, you know, they also need, well, isn't not they, but Putin also needs it because if he doesn't, if he doesn't have this, he, like he's committed and, and lost lots of assets and lots of people. And if they lose this now, he's, he's so we're told. So we're told. Yeah. But he's if he loses this, he's finished. His cabinet's finished. I technically I, I would I would argue that he's probably already finished. But because of his position and the influence he has i don't think he's going anywhere but as far as the people are concerned i think he's done um so so you think he's lost the you think he's lost public public trust altogether oh uh, yeah absolutely I, I i think the average person on the ground is not for this i mean uh, w with the videos we were seeing of people uh oh they're scrambling uh, men out. trying to get out of uh you know being new development New development on that. Uh, as of two days ago, 48 hours ago, Putin has signed a decree, which is like our executive orders, barring all medical personnel from leaving the country. You will no longer get a pass out of the country if you're a medical person. So a doctor, nurse, medic, any of these people, a paramedic, any of that, you're done. You're not leaving. So yeah, it sounds to me like they're, they're doubling down for an, a, another push. They're about to do full-blown war because if they... If they well, there, there's also the possibility that Ukraine is going to do an attack on Russian soil, which would be another reason that you would want to keep, um, you know, people there. But that's OK. That's OK, because you see, Bruce, we're going to rebuild Ukraine's military uh -huh. and defense industry. We're going to rebuild all that. NATO, they've already announced a plan that's going to it's going to take 10 years. Right. So when they say NATO, they mean the U.S. and the U.K. were like 80 percent plus of NATO's budget. So, yeah, uh, they've got a 10 year plan to rebuild Ukraine's army and defense industry. That's according to a, a report put out by Politico this morning. Uh, the first mm. meeting between the NATO alliance and the Ukrainian government to work towards realizing this goal will be held next week. Why couldn't they just done eight years? 
Well, 10 years, is it sounds better. Looks better on for the headlines. Well, true. 10 years is, it is a little bit more uniform, but eight years would sound better because that's when everything else is supposed to be done. So, yeah. Um, according to a, uh, a NATO uh, official, they don't mention a name, of course, we will be looking at defense planning requirements to get Ukraine fully interoperable with NATO. It's about shifting away from Soviet equipment, which that's actually a lot of what they have anyway, to NATO-compatible Western equipment. We'll be looking to try and rebuild uh-huh. Ukraine's defense industry. Uh-huh. So we're going to be giving them Western weapons. So instead of using the, uh, as an example, instead of using uh, 545 ammunition, which is the, the smaller like uh, AK-74 or the 7.62 by uh, 3.9, I think it is, which is the uh, AK-47 Kalashnikov, uh, your typical standard round that they use. Instead of using those, you would transition to 5.56 or 2.23 here in the U.S. We're moving to 6.8, which is what's coming. Yeah, I I would imagine because we have a surplus of 5.56, they would probably do that first. They would give them the... um, Cold War era, but NATO compliant ones, uh, stuff from the 80s, maybe even stuff from the 90s, potentially. I mean, because that, that, that's over 20 years ago now. And, you know, your, your sta- uh, standard uh, 762 uh, uh, NATO version, which I believe is 59, 762 by 59. Uh, I'm, I'm, they're still using 556. Not 100%, right? but for, for your like uh, M4s, M16, I believe is still 556, as here in the U.S. we know them as 223, well, as both. But if you go into the larger caliber M14s, you know, your your DMRs or your marksmen, they're, they're going to be 762. 762, yeah. So uh, basically they're just transitioning to a different caliber of ammunition. And the, the artillery shells and whatnot are, uh, I believe, were 105 millimeter for, like, are the, the main battle tanks and then 155 millimeter for, like, the howitzers. And I think Russia uses 120 millimeter for their main battle tank. Uh, the newer ones, at least, are using that. Uh, and then you have other ammunitions that, um, uh, you know, Russia uses, I think, like uh, 14 millimeter uh, to um, they use odd numbers when it comes to uh, like their IFEs and those kind of things like APCs and whatnot. So, um, yeah, just trying to make it more NATO. Yeah. In a non-NATO country. Yeah. All right. We're going to kick out of here a few minutes early. You got anything else? No, um, that just... <laughs> Not related to any of this, but it's still related to the Great Reset and everything. There's been a lot of pushback. I've seen a lot of headlines today about uh, the, the, the the drag queen story hour kind of things and all of that. Um, I've seen a lot of pushback on that. Texas AG was talking about um, prosecuting some of the um, um, drag queens that were um, twerking in front of kids. Where's the, um, where's the investigations to, to, st- to find out where this is being funded from? That's what I want to know. That, like I get, be, yeah. I get where you're, I get where the AGs are coming from. As in, like, okay, you're going to investigate and you're going to prosecute the ones that are doing this in front of kids because that's child abuse. Why are the parents or supposed parent? I'm doing the air quotes. Why are they not being charged for taking their kids to it? That's my next question. Back to my first. Who's funding this? Because when you look at the people that go down and and do like the protests and the counter protests, usually got Antifa out there with them or with them or with uh, AR-15s and, uh, and fully mm-hmm. black blocked up and everything else. But the ones that are out there to counter protest, they're talking to the um, uh, the attendees. They're from out of state. They're yep. not from Texas. They're from like Minnesota yep. or something. Who's paying mm-hmm. to fly their fat asses down there? Oh, and believe me, they're not mm-hmm. they're not skinny women going in there. Who's paying to fly their fat asses in there? Yeah. And uh, to that point, the most recent one that happened here in uh, in Texas, here being the U.S., uh, Texas, the videos I've seen so far, it was all women. I mean, the dudes were up there twerking, but women were the ones attending with their kids. Why would you take your kid I, to that? Like, that's just that's that's just like I, I can't. I, I can't even comprehend a mother doing that to their kids. Like no. it, it's so far, like from when I was raised and everything, it's so far removed from that. Like reality is, I, I don't even know where we are anymore. We're in loony land at this point uh, compared to when I well, was raised as a kid. When we were looking at those, uh, those yahoos from just stop oil uh, yesterday, the first thing you said was these that's people true. look like they belong in a mental institution. That, yeah, that's true. Uh, Cause some of the ones we were seeing, they were drag queens. Uh, shall we say, but without the makeup, to put it nicely. But they looked mentally unstable. I mean, they just had disheveled. Um, they did not look in a good state of, of mental health. <laughs> really, some of them have physical health, too. 
but yeah. well, chain smoking while you're you're standing there next to a just off oil sign and you're in a you're in a dress. That's you know. the, the the one dude looked like he was literally a hooker standing on the corner of a street or something, chain smoking. That's that's, that's, that's looked like something for like the eighties or something, you know, like movies or something. Uh, that's that's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. The beard kind of gave it away, though. The the beard did give it away. But I bring that up to say that uh, we do have some AGs that are trying to take action and encouraging local uh, municipalities to take action themselves. And, and then the AGs the are threatening if if it, that's well, the police they're are there. just standing there. They're there. They're just standing they're, like they're guarding it. Yeah, they're protecting that kind of stuff. We when you're 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 literally here's the other problem though. Okay, let's say let's say you do prosecute the parents and you go after the parents. What do you do with the kids? You're going to you're going to okay, give fair. them the CPS. CPS yeah, is they're going to human trafficking. Yeah, they're going to traffic yeah. them. So, I, OK, I yeah. see your point there. I got it. But at the same time, I'm, I'm looking at this in, in terms of, OK, a, adult entertainment. OK, let's just look at it like that, because that's an you know, we have an adult entertainment industry here in the West. We don't allow this kind of behavior for underage children in adult strip clubs, do we? We don't allow that. As a matter of fact, you've got uh, big bouncers named Luther and Theo that are not going to let you in there if you're not of a certain age. They're going to make sure yeah. that you don't go in there. We protect yeah. underage people from going into establishments like this. And the police will be called if you try and violate that in any of these places. And rightfully so. Yeah. And it's okay to do this in, in, in this setting? For some reason, like the, the police are, are, are guarding it and taking no action. It's OK for that. As you said, like this is so far disconnected from what we understand. It's not even like th this. When when we were growing up, this was not even like it wasn't. Forget about it even being a possibility of happening. It wouldn't have even been thought of. And the other thing is, is there was uh, there was a story. I forget what town it was, but it was an Ohio mom. I think it was Ohio. An Ohio mom uh, went to uh, I think it was a city council meeting. And she just wore the same thing that the transgenders that were there twerking in front of kids. She wore the same apparel that they were wearing. Of course, it's unacceptable for a woman to wear the same apparel and to do the same actions that they're, the, the, the dudes are doing. But because they're a drag queen, it's OK. It's OK for them to be scantily clad um, uh, to where their privates are almost uh, falling out of their clothing. So a woman um, does this and she gets in trouble for it and she gets thrown out of the, the meeting. She she basically shows the hypocrisy in it. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, I commend her for doing it. Uh, she oh, did yeah, sure. give a speech and everything as well and, and it did um, bring a lot of awareness to it. But uh, honestly, we, we, we have the standards that we do, as you said, to protect the kids. If a woman were to do the same thing, like a, a stripper was to go and, and do a lap dance to a kid, obviously the police would be called. Obviously that's a problem. But again, the same thing is happening, but it's drag queens and it's okay. That's my point. We have these establishments and underage people are not allowed in there. You can't go in there. Oh, so. um, and also there's one in Oregon uh, where well, an 11-year-old... No, oh my God. 11-year-old drag right. queen is um, in front of adults oh and boy. it's a family-friendly event. Oh, my goodness. Um, yep. Apart from actually flipping the agenda, and when I say flipping the agenda, I mean the police go in there and you're not guarding it. You're raiding the place and mm -hmm. you're hauling them out mm -hmm. of there in handcuffs and throwing them in the back of paddy wagons and they're going down to the precinct. Apart from doing that and finding out if you're an AG, will you please for these underage kids that are being taken to this, will you find out who is funding this? Here's my concern, and I would not be surprised. Again, I'm just speculating. The reason you're not looking into who funds it is because when you get up to a certain point on that ladder, when you start chasing down paper trails, you're probably not going to like the answer of where that funding is coming from. It's not going to be, quote, politically acceptable, or it's complicated. That's the problem. Yeah. In all of this, I bring this up to... I get the whole situation, Ukraine and Russia and all of that. Um, oh, we also had um, FBI kicking in uh, 22 now um, pro-life activists doors now and arresting them because they were protesting at a Planned Parenthood. Uh, the number of uh, arrests or suspects involved in the firebombings of uh, pro-life groups uh, the, the, what, what, what is it? Uh, I, I forget what the centers are called, but they're, uh, um, to, to help women 
uh, with their pregnancy and everything and provides materials and education and those kind of things. They, they were firebombed and law enforcement hasn't arrested anybody involved in those uh, or any suspects at all. Well, you see, uh, but, they, were, um, they were protecting women's health is what they were doing. Yeah. So with all of this going on in Ukraine and Russia and all of that, and we're talking about sending money over there or weapons and all of that, can we stop? Can we stop that? And quit sending money over there. Quit sending our tax dollars over there when we have more than enough problems here at home to deal with. I mean, we didn't even talk about the border and the amount of fentanyl and other drugs and weapons that are coming across the borders at Uliuli. We didn't talk about, you know, all the, the, the other economic problems that we have here in-house, the power, the, the, you know, we just have so many issues here at home. I'm tired of, I'm tired of Ukraine. I, I don't care. I, I know that sounds harsh and callous and everything, but like, why, well, why are we even the, involved? You feel for the people because the people are the ones that are caught in the middle of this. But as far as the, the like the corrupt sides in our government and the Western European governments and the Ukrainian government, that's not our concern. That shouldn't be any any issue. Like we should be dealing with the corruption, yes, in our own nations. But when we're funding despotic countries, when we're when we're just a half a step above, you know, a, step, yeah. a despotic country but, ourselves, that doesn't help matters. Would, and we're, would like this situation off, be going on though? No, no, it wouldn't. If you had, I was I was telling um, I was telling Pavel the other day. I said, you know what? I said I'm sick of both sides steaming this up. I'm sick of, well, actually, I can't even say both sides. I'm sick of all parties involved here. When I say all parties involved, I'm sick of the American administration steaming this BS up. I'm sick of the Pentagon and the State Department steaming this up. I'm sick of these these know-nothing morons up there on the on the hill, these 535 idiots up there. I'm sick of them steaming this up. They're talking about nuclear war like they're ordering coffee. That's got to stop. That has got to stop. I'm sick of Vladimir Putin talking and steaming this up. I'm sick of Zelensky coming out and, and giving speeches at every damn uh, corner store you go to. He's on, a, he's on a screen somewhere asking for more money. He was giving a speech at the IMF last week. This is ridiculous. I'm sick of the European Union, those idiots in Brussels that have no connection to reality. They're, they're doing Ukraine dances in the aisles. This is ridiculous. I'm sick of all parties steaming this up. And if you, as you've mentioned before, when this kind of stuff happens, and, and I seriously, I seriously, I, I think Russia wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for our involvement in the Obama administration with Ukraine. If we wouldn't have been doing that, I don't think Russia would be as uh, militant towards Ukraine right now. Um, so I, I think this is our doing again. Same thing with COVID. But as you've mentioned before, when we start steaming this kind of stuff up, it makes it uh, more dangerous for people that are outside, you know, United States citizens that are uh, out of country. Uh, it makes it more dangerous for them. That's uh, the founding fathers made it clear we should not be involved in policing the world. This is not something that we need to be doing or should be doing. Uh, at the very most, what we've seen in the past was we had some uh, pirates from a specific religious group that were attacking us, and we formed a navy to to counter that and then kick their ass. That that's what we should be doing, not uh, trying to police the world. The, the world is capable of policing itself. Anyway, that's 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 what I got. All right, we're going to go ahead and uh, call this one done. I know I said we were going to kick out of here a few minutes early, but uh, maybe we did, maybe we didn't. For those of you who would like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. If you know someone you're trying to wake up and get them to think on their own, we would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Bruce, thank you for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening. Bye.